Hey everyone, welcome back to the Real Leaders Podcast. And this episode focuses on my friend, Patty Graham. You'll hear the story of how Patty made a decision to become an altruistic kidney donor and how rare that is. This is the second in the Living Kidney Donation Series. The first was Mike Kyle Brunner who received a Living Kidney Donation. This is Patty, who made such a donation, although not to our first guest. And the third is going to be someone who can tell you everything you need to know to donate a kidney if it's something you're considering. So right now, we'll turn it over to my guest, Patty Graham, and my interview with her about her decision to donate a kidney. I'm excited to chat with Patty Graham. Patty will tell you the story of how I know her, but what Patty ended up doing recently in the area of kidney donation is something that fewer than 150 people do every year. She'll tell you all about it, and she'll tell you a little bit about her why. Hi, Patty. Hi. Thanks for joining us on Real Leaders. So, Patty. The first thing I want to hear from you is give us about a two-minute life story, maybe with a little bit of a lean into your relationship to kidney donation. Wow, two minutes. I have a history with kidney donation because my sister, 15 years ago, donated her kidney to our stepdad. He was on dialysis. He was dying, and she gave him a kidney. At that time, I never thought about donating a kidney. I kind of thought it was crazy that she donated her kidney. And then 13 years later, I was at a talk, and Sue heard you talk about donating to a stranger, which I didn't even realize was a thing. And um, that's kind of what propelled my journey into kidney donation. What was it that you thought, actually, Patty, one relevant thing about you before we talk about that is uh, that that you're a nurse, right? What kind of nursing do you do? Yeah, I, I teach nursing. So I'm a nurse educator I've been doing that in the community college setting for over 16 years now. My background is in geriatrics. So before I was a nurse educator, well, and after I started, became a nurse educator, I took care of the elderly. So I saw a lot of people who struggled with kidney disease just through my practice in nursing. And what do you think changed about you between the time you were younger and saw, and and how old were you, by the way, when your sister donated a kidney? She was 22, so I was 27. Got it. And what do you think changed between your adult you at 27 and your adult you 15 or 13 years later? Oh, Oh, uh, yeah, I could talk a long time about that. Um, I think a big part of what changed, obviously growing up and having more life experiences, but also I started getting into positive psychology, which is basically the study of happiness and giving and gratitude. And so I was starting this graduate certificate program in positive psychology when I heard your talk. And so it was just like this perfect timing of finding out about acts of kindness and the benefit that has on us as individuals. So that I think just, it just, the timing was perfect for me to be open to the idea. So I think that another time in my life, had I heard your talk, it would have affected me in a different way. I see. That's, that's really helpful. And you're sitting in the audience. This is now about two and a half years ago. And just to give them a hat tip, that was at an Ignite Boulder event. If you've never been to Ignite Boulder, regardless of where you live, come to an Ignite Boulder event. It's an amazing, (laughs) amazing community event. And it saves lives as it turns out. So you're sitting in the audience. You hear me give a talk about 
my brother receiving a voluntary stranger kidney donation through a person that was connected to him as a friend of a friend on Facebook. You hear that story. What happens next for you? Right after I heard it, I was like, oh, this is a thing. I'm going to do this. And uh, the next day I started doing research online and I contacted UC Health and basically started the process. Um, which is, it, it took a while to get through everything, but uh, I started it the next day. So I was with a big group of friends and another friend of mine, I was like, this is a thing, we should just do this. And uh, he actually kind of got started around the same time as me and he didn't end up following through. But yeah, I knew, like I just knew when I heard the talk that I was going to do it. And I had no doubts about it. It was such a strange decision because so many decisions, you know, you like pros and cons, but really like, I just, I just knew at that moment I was going to do it. And then I just took the steps I needed to. That's amazing. Did anyone try to talk you out of it? Um, well, since my sister had done it, she was supportive, but she was worried, like more worried about me than she was when she did it. So she, she had that unique perspective where she was like, I know how excited you are. I know, um, it feels like the right thing. And that's why I'm not going to try to talk you out of it because I've been in that position, but she was more worried about me than I was worried about me. And, and I, I would say it was similar when she donated her kidney, I was more worried about her doing it than she was. But really, I think people who know me know that once I make my mind up about something, it's going to happen. So no one really tried to talk me out of it. There were a lot of questions about it, but, but no one tried to talk me out of it. You're describing, you said you called UC Health, and for people listening, I think that's University of Colorado Health, and that's a hospital, is that right? Yeah, it's one of the couple transplant centers for kidney transplants we have in the state. It's one of the closer ones, and so when I was doing my research, I found it and and got in touch with them, and that's actually where my sister went, and we both had the same surgeon, so it's like we have the same scars, you know, 15 years later, we had the same surgeon. It's like, Hey, remember my sister? That's incredible. Uh, That's yeah. Unbelievable. So yeah. if somebody's sitting in Kansas right now or wherever they may be sitting, can you just help explain to them based on your experience, what, what they can do? And if they want to start this process, how, what's the best way you think based on your knowledge and experience that they should do that? Yeah. So since so much has happened since my donation, but I've gotten more involved with the National Kidney Registry and they're the ones who set up the pairs and uh, set up the kidney chains. And so I think they're the best people to get in touch with at this point because they will uh, direct you to the appropriate, like kind of closest hospital that works with the non-directed donors. So I would say the National Kidney Foundation or National Kidney Registry. I, I think either one of those actually would be good. They're okay. both going to, I think they're connected and they're, they're going to have the similar resources. So fantastic. You used a, a phrase, non-directed donor. And yeah. I just want to dig in. A lot of people have had the experience where potentially on Facebook, they've seen that somebody needs a kidney. They may have had the experience that someone in their family needs a kidney. They may have heard of someone getting a kidney or another organ through a deceased donor, often, you know, somebody in an, a, a motor vehicle accident that ends up being a deceased donor. Can you talk a little bit about living kidney donation and what an NDD is? Yes. So a non-directed donor is a living kidney donor whose donation is not directed to a particular person. So when I decided to donate, it was important to me that the kidney went to whoever needed it, that I, I didn't pick the person. I didn't have any, any part of that. In fact, I, I still don't know who had my kidney. So as you were saying, more people donate to people they know. I mean, there aren't very many of us that donate to strangers. So basically the NDD, the non-directed donor, is someone who's donated to a stranger 
in almost all cases, that starts a kind of a chain reaction of kidney donations. When a, a non-directed donor donates to a stranger, the stranger probably has someone that will, will donate to them, but isn't a match. And so they, they pay it forward. So it kind of starts this chain reaction. And so it's really important to get as many non-directed donors as we can, because it starts these chain reactions where there could be multiple lives saved with kidney donation based on just one person who's willing to give to a stranger. So I just want to land that because that's not totally intuitive. So what Patty's referring to is there may be, and actually, Patty, you know, how many people were in your chain that spun out of your donation? So my chain, uh, there were six surgeries the day that I had mine. Mine started it, so I had to go in early. I know very little about where my kidney went, but I know it went to a woman in a similar age to mine, and she's in Texas. So my surgery um, was early in the morning, and then the kidney was flown to Texas, and then she had someone who would have donated to her that donated that day as well, and the recipient of that kidney had someone who would have donated, and so they paid it forward. So there were six surgeries uh, the day of my donation. So three people gave kidneys, and three people got kidneys the same day. Amazing. And what, so what that means is lots of people have a family member or a spouse, an unrelated family member, or a friend who's willing to make a donation, which is a lengthy process. You have to be incredibly healthy, although don't let that be a, a reason not to go check it out. But what that means is they may not be a match for that person. So they're sitting and waiting for really like, think of it as a catalyst element to come in like Patty did with a kidney that matches one of the people that's sitting and waiting, and those people don't necessarily know each other. And she gets to instigate this reaction where everyone gets what they need, and all of these donors get to actually activate their intention. They don't necessarily get to give their kidney to their wife, but on that same day, generally, they're making a donation to a stranger that they don't know, probably ever, and their wife is getting a kidney potentially from somebody like Patty. So it's an extremely rare situation to be able to create this kind of chain effect by one act of goodness. And I love how that fits into your context of positive psychology, Patty. Patty, how many people need kidneys right now? Uh, almost 100,000. In the U.S. alone. And that's just, I mean, those are the people who are actually eligible. Many more people need kidneys. It's just they may not be eligible for surgery or there's some reason why they're not on the list. But the list right now is like, I think it's around 95,000 people. And I, when I think about that 95,000 people and I think about the fact that you saved multiple lives with just one action and you're one, not just, I don't want to demonize the thing you did, which is a huge decision about your body. But the fact that, you know, 95,000 sounds intimidating, but the thing about that list, and that's in the U.S. alone, is that it actually carries over year on year. Because people who are on that list end up on dialysis if they don't get a kidney donation. They're waiting and waiting and waiting. One other thing that I've learned through this process, Patty, is that traffic has actually reduced the availability of deceased kidney donors because it turns out there are way fewer fatalities on the roads when the traffic is moving more slowly. That kind of blew my mind. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah, I, wow, yeah. <laughs> That's absolutely amazing. So what I love about this issue, Patty, and I think you do too, is that the actions of not that many people can actually potentially resolve this issue, not only in our lifetime, but within years. Yeah. To me, it seems very doable. You talked about uh, non-directed donors and how few people actually do that. How, how many people did do that sort of in the last 12 months or what do you know about that? 
Yeah. So in the last 12 months, the National Kidney Registry had 113 of us donated and started these chain reactions. And there were um, there and they're not done. The chains aren't even done. So there are over 300 people who've gotten kidneys so far from just our 113 of us. So um, the, the chains, though, they're still going. So they don't even know how many it's going to save. When you hear that number, 113, did, do you think that that's a large number or a small number? Well, it seems small to me. I, I feel like because for me it was just such a like, oh, like, this is a thing. I'm going to do it. So I just don't see – it's hard for me to understand when people hear about it why they're just not the same. Like, oh, okay. So 113 doesn't seem like many at all. And, and I've been fortunate and able to meet some, some of the other NDDs uh, that are local. And it's just this amazing connection I have with people. Honestly, like my life has only gotten better since I donated my kidney. It's been – just so enhanced since then. So there's like this unique little club. We have like, we call it the one kidney club and we just, it's pretty cool actually. That's very cool. And talk a little bit about the surgery and the degree of difficulty of that, how long you were not able to be at work or off your feet, or can you just share a little bit about those facts? Yeah. Um, so the surgery, I was actually only in the hospital for two nights. Um, had my surgery um, they ask you right up until like they put you under, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do this? So like, got, they got me prepped. They wheeled me into the operating room. They put me on the metal table. They put all the straps on. They like everyone crowded around me and they had the mask, you know, like the sedation, basically the anesthesia in their hand and <laughs> said, are you sure you can still say no? Are you sure? And, you know, I was like, I'm sure. And then the mask went on and then I don't remember until I was being wheeled into the recovery. Uh, so it was just two nights in the hospital. Um, they had great pain meds. I've never, so I'd never had a surgery before or had pain meds or anything. So it was all totally new experience for me. I went home after two days and I only took the meds for three more days. They said that by a week's time, so my surgery was a Tuesday, my follow-up appointment was a Tuesday. And they said, by the time you come back, we want you off the pain meds and only on Tylenol. So I only took pain meds for about three days after I got home. And then I just took Tylenol. Were you walking? How long, how long did oh, it take yeah, you to walk? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was walking. Um, I, you don't, I, I didn't realize how important me, my abdominal muscles were. So like getting up off a chair, I was like, oh, wow, I, use, I can't use my abdominal muscles. So I was like, I had to figure some things out. But I was able to walk within 24 hours of my surgery. I was walking to the bathroom. You have a catheter for your surgery. They leave it in for about a day. And so I actually was like, ask them to leave it longer. <laughs> which they, they can't do. But, um, but yeah, I was walking. Uh, I couldn't lift for a few weeks. I couldn't lift more than 10 pounds. And so I had people around that could help me. I, I kind of scheduled, I scheduled everything around my work schedule. So being a teacher, I have, you know, a winter break. So I scheduled it so that I would finish teaching early and I could take a couple weeks before winter break started and take the complete winter break to recover. So I went back to work after six weeks. Other friends that I've met that have done it have gone back after four weeks. I just was fortunate in that I had planned it so I had more time. Great. I think I could have gone back. And then at eight weeks, I was doing yoga again, doing my ab exercises. I was back to doing everything I was doing before, just a little bit slower. And I was really amazed how fast my strength actually came back because I felt pretty weak, you know, not doing things for so long. I'm very active, but um, it came back really fast. Awesome. So. And how's your psychology around having done this? Like, how do I feel? Yeah. Yeah, I feel amazing. As I was saying, I just feel like the, the whole experience has been positive. Um, and it's opened all these different opportunities. And there have only been advantages that I've found. Um, 
I made great new friends. I found different meaning and purpose and different ways to volunteer to help raise awareness. And I really feel like a different kind of sense of empathy towards people, I think. And being a nurse, you know, I've been a nurse. I've taken care of lots of people after surgeries and, and when they're on meds. And now I have a whole new appreciation for that whole process. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. So it's only been, it really has only been an amazing experience. Um, and I, I honestly didn't anticipate that. I just thought, oh, I'm going to do this. And I didn't think about, you know, afterwards, what's my life going to be like? And it's only gotten better, which is like a pleasant surprise. That's wonderful to hear. What do you think is the single biggest reason more people aren't doing this? That's a good question. I just actually started asking people that question. I was kind of, you know, hesitant to ask people because I didn't want to put people on the spot. I just started asking people. And, you know, I have some friends that have said, well, I have kids. And what if one of my kids needs a kidney or, you know, I, it's, it, I can't take time off work. And so when I was in New York last month for this National Kidney Registry event, they were talking about some of the new initiatives they're doing to help change the way they do things to help alleviate some of these other stressors. So like an example is they're now helping people out financially if they have to take time off work. So that's something I've heard from a lot of people is like they can't afford to take the time off. Um, another thing they're doing, um, they're starting a new initiative where if you donate your kidney to a stranger, the hospitals that are participating in this are letting you pick five people, like basically make a list of five people. So like maybe your kids or your spouse or whoever, um, siblings, and you have this list of five people so that if the, if the first one of them, hopefully none of them need a kidney, but let's say one of them does, the first one that ever needs one moves to the top of the list and gets one because you've donated. That's fantastic. One other thing I want to hit before we end this conversation, Patty, just so folks know, is that there is a really meaningful difference between the benefit to a recipient of getting a living kidney donor versus getting a deceased donor, even if they do manage to get up the list. The data mm -hmm. suggests, is it, I, I, in my head, I have it, that living kidney donations, the kidney actually lasts almost two times as long. Is that? Yes, that's right. And my, my sister who donated 15 years ago, my stepdad is alive and well. He has a great life. And so every year they have the anniversary of the donation where they go out to dinner and they celebrate. And so he's been living for 15 years with her kidney. Excellent. Well, Patty, thank you so much for all you've already done and all that you are seemingly continuing to want to do, including this conversation and sharing your story. I think the single biggest reason people don't do this is they don't know they can. So hopefully by this conversation, <laughs> we've at least addressed that one. And then those other reasons come after they already know that this is a possibility. So if this is exciting to you, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at tell Sue. I can put you in touch with Patty or anyone else you hear on this podcast reach out to the National Kidney Foundation or the National Kidney Registry, and they will point you in the right direction based on your geography. Patty, thanks for everything, and thanks for chatting with me today. Yeah, thank you. I mean, you changed my life, Sue. Oh, and a few other people. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, Patty. Right, yeah. Thank you. It was great to get a chance to talk to Patty and great to be the tiniest speck of her story of making a decision that ended up saving so many people's lives. Tune in to the next episode of Real Leaders for a conversation with someone who knows everything about how to get involved in thinking about making your own kidney donation, if that's something you're thinking about. And as always, thanks for joining us on the Real Leaders podcast. Real Leaders is sponsored by Leadership Camp. If you or someone you know is a leader who wants to become a more authentic, content, and happy leader, 
please check us out at www.leadership.camp.